This is the Casual Temple Podcast, and you are listening to episode number one, and I'm your host, Marilee Duffy. My mission with the Casual Temple Podcast is to introduce the world to different ways of developing a relationship with spirit. We will hear from everyday people about their magical practices, psychic phenomenon, energy healing, as well as hear about the amazing mystical and paranormal experiences. This week, my guest is Emma Devant, who joins the podcast to talk about her spiritual journey, as well as her experience as a psychic and healing instructor here in Seattle, Washington. We also get into discussing remote viewing and liminal states. Thank you all for joining us here at Casual Temple. Today's guest is Emma Devon. Emma is a psychic and healing instructor here in Seattle, Washington. Emma, thank you for being my first guest and willing to talk about your relationship um, with spirit. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, thank you. Um, so I guess just to kind of get the ball rolling and I'm you know, I know a little bit about sort of what your spiritual path has looked like. And I know you've been interested in a lot of different things and have tried a lot of different things. And, um, but what was sort of like either your first spiritual event or uh, modality that you learned wherever you want to start? Yeah, great question. You know, when you ask that question, there is one thing that often pops into my mind when I first think I felt some connection to something greater and I knew something that the average child wouldn't know and I was about eight years old and that's a guess so somewhere around then and I remember being at home and just understanding that the earth was just this little tiny organism inside of something much larger and that there were these much larger beings I didn't know what they were. I was just a child, but I could, I could feel it. I knew it was true. There were these much larger beings that sort of peer down at the earth the way a human might like look into a, through a microscope at microscopic organisms. And I knew that. And um, I've always just known and felt things in various ways, in various degrees throughout all of my life up until the present but when you ask the question, you know, what did I first hit with or what did I first ping with? Mm-hmm. When I was probably around 14 years old, I stumbled upon the writings of Edgar Casey, And that was really what got the ball rolling for me. And I didn't know what it was that clicked with me, but I could feel that he was on to something. And from there, the the rest is history. I just kept going and finding and 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 discovering more and more. And what ultimately really pinged for me was the stuff material by Jane Roberts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some channeling and the sleeping prophet. Those are two good, um, yeah. good places to start. Um, so what would you say was your your own sort of from kicking off from Edgar Casey and the Seth material like how did you go about this like exploring for yourself because I know that you're very much into actually doing the right. practice or doing practices yeah yeah that's a really great question because in a way I would think that I'm a, somewhat of a late bloomer mm-hmm. to the actual practice I was always heavily concentrated on the theory Mm-hmm. early in my life, early through my 20s and my 30s, living life, doing what you're supposed to do out in the world. But about 12, 13 years ago, I realized that I, for all of the theoretical study and all of the efforts in that way, I really wasn't making it work for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got really busy and said, okay, I need to go outside of what I've already learned. And I stumbled upon Sonia Choquette, who's a well-known, mm-hmm. yeah, well-known and it was her work uh, that was more the practical application side. And once I got started with that, she used to travel and teach. And once I got started with her program of really accessing in a practical, effective way, the inner knowledge that you had to make it work for you, then it blew wide open. Mm-hmm. And then it was just sorting through and doing a lot of the the, the self-work and, and self exploration and the expansion of understanding and ability once the ball got rolling it just exponentially kicked off Mm -hmm. um would you say that uh because I'm sort of familiar with Sonia Choquette as well would you say that the actual practicality of you like focusing on something and it showing up was that 
where you were like, oh, oh. Yeah, it was actually more about answering questions and coming to the understanding of what was creating things to be the way they were. Hmm. So it was less about, oh, trying to create new experiences in my life, but to actually really understand what was going on underneath Mm -hmm. and to be able to dialogue and access, you know, the inner self, inner consciousness or greater consciousness and get some real useful answers. So it was like, well, this can't just be just theoretical Mm. study, uh, which I can quote, you know, no end of tomorrow, but what do, what do you actually do with all that, that knowledge? Mm-hmm. And that was really, really what got that started for me and having real world, meaningful, practical situations really is what helped grow. Mm-hmm. But I guess for you, so if you had Sonia and then let's see, okay. So your three teachers, at this point that I've heard is like uh, Sonia and then uh, Edgar Casey and the Seth material. Mm-hmm. So from there, with all the stuff that you've discovered in your, uh, in your path, <laughs> like what drove you to kind of more into sort of the healing space that you're kind of in now? Cause I know you've yeah. talked a little bit about that before. Yeah, it was actually a, a sudden downturn in my own health. And mm-hmm. and I had a period for about two or three years where my own health just imploded, that I began to develop all kinds of difficulties and showed symptoms that of various ailments, some of which ran in the family. Mm-hmm. And because I was so well established and so took to heart the principles in the Seth material of you create your own reality. It's not, you know, that there's, there's something about this that you do have command over. Mm -hmm. I really took that to heart and I really dug very deep and discovered what was really truly going on that was causing a variety of issues and ailments. Did the belief work, did the emotional sorting, did actually develop a new way of uh or a new way to me at least of actually healing the body and and coming to well-being and solving things Mm -hmm. and because I did that one it affirmed that yes you can do it two it did did reveal just how much your beliefs and your emotions and and all of the inner psyche and the inner consciousness really do inform the body and affect the body And from there, it became about two and a half, three years of just pulling myself out of uh, what was a real serious decline in health, very serious decline. I was losing my eyesight, Mm. uh, arthritis systems. I was showing symptoms of significant deterioration. And because I was so successful with that, um, I eventually... uh, honed that process to myself and a friend of mine came to me this was some years ago and she was having some jaw pain Hmm. and um her doctor had recommended to her that she go get surgery (laughs) i said wait time out now she's not she's not informed like some of your listeners might be she's more in the average camp of deal with things a different way Mm -hmm. i said well stop here before you do it let's try something doesn't cost anything let's try something and I taught her some of the techniques that I had figured out for myself and she was good you know good good friend she went along maybe she just humored me but she did it she really took a look at the beliefs and the emotions and the the things that were going on with her for her life and Mm -hmm. was able to make a connection with the pain that she was experiencing in her jaw and it took about two or three months for her to work through it but Mm -hmm. she was able to to not have the surgery and to clear up the issue. And she was successful with it. And that taught me that that is teachable, that Mm -hmm. that it is teachable. And that's really where my focus and my preference is now in doing healing work with individuals is to not make it a passive receiving experience only for them, Mm -hmm. but to make it also educational, to give them the tools so that they can go home and do their own self-work for their own well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that um, you're definitely ahead of a lot of people because I, I think that's where the direction is going generally now. Be. Yeah, um, because, I, because like you're right, I believe too that people, um, they're like the best 
the best person to really handle their own issues. Like they can be taught the methods, but yeah, I agree with that. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Gosh, I had a question regarding the, um, I guess I already sort of answered it. Um, but anyway, so, uh, with these healing modalities that you've sort of learned, um, oh, here's my question. So your healing modalities, what do you think about, cause I, I, this is something I've been sort of thinking about on my own, but sort of the, the material world medicine of like doc, going to a doctor da, 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 mm-hmm. and then sort of the energetic piece that we're kind of talking about sort of the underlying thing. Um, how do you think those work together if they do, or how do you think that goes together? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I do think that that is in, in fluctuation and will only become more, Uh, fluid and flexible as different trends take over different values and different preferences take over and as those who are knowledgeable and skilled and effective in approaching health and well-being and promoting well-being through other methods than the allopathic system Mm -hmm. uh, or western medicine using that term very broadly uh, that they may or may not work together. Uh, I, I find tremendous respect for allopathic medicine when it comes to piecing back together broken bodies. So if you break a bone, for heaven's sakes, go get it fixed. Mm-hmm. But you can still work with yourself at an energetic level or the, you know, the inner energetic flow of the body to promote that healing quite a bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I find that there's a more probable divergence between allopathic and what we'll just call energy medicine or energy healing has more to do with longstanding repeating patterns and issues of difficulty. And from the camp that I come from, that those are pretty much universally rooted in ideas, attitudes, uh, emotions of the individual, and in some cases in misusage. Mm -hmm. So if there's a constant strain on a part of the body, then there can be overuse or misuse or, or coordination issues. And in that case, things like physical therapy, I think, can work very beautifully. Mm-hmm. But I've seen it happen uh, many times, and I've experienced person, this personally myself, where once you find the actual core issue, literally the physical expression, the physical expression of the issue evaporates within days. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about things you may have had for years. And it sounds miraculous, but it's happened to me and I know that it's happened to others. So it is possible. It's just about continuing to learn because it is a new, I think, a developing field. It's an emerging Mm -hmm. field. So we're all still learning and then proving and just think of where it will be in 50 or 100 years. Yeah. Um, So something I was thinking about, because uh, I've also, as you have, uh, we've worked with people. what do you think about um, having either the person not believing or having the belief that whatever you're working with them on will work or not work? Uh, yeah, so there's a great question because that I would say applies to any modality. So mm-hmm. if you look at allopathic medicine and what they're or, or any, whether I, I'm a firm believer in traditional Chinese medicine, for example, I, I can recommend that without reservations. And there are other uh, Ayurvedic medicine, there's naturopathy, there's so many different ways to approach something. Ultimately, it's the willingness of the of the patient to create that change in themselves that will make that work or not work. But also, does it last? Mm. Yeah, does it last? And so that's where, again, I do think that allopathic medicine is very successful when it comes to mending broken bones and repairing damage and things like that, because most people don't want to maintain that. Mm. Most people don't want to maintain a broken bone. They want it to heal. But in surprising cases, uh, if you look, and I'm sure you've probably experienced this in your own practice as well, if you look really closely at what's bothering someone Sometimes they don't want to face it, right? Mm -hmm. They may not be ready to do that. And in which case then my personal choice then in working with an individual is to not attempt to solve the physical problem, but to pivot over to 
let's solve why you don't want to face this. Mm. So it's always about finding what I call that pivot point of what they're ready to do. Mm-hmm. And it might be, I'm just ready to get over my reluctance to deal with this. Right. And then you just find that opening, that window of opportunity, and that's your route in. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. That was very eloquently explained. <laughs> uh, that was very helpful for me uh, to hear mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So I know that you have looked at a lot of different modalities and a lot of different spaces. Um, what are more of the more, what are some of the more surprising moments that kind of shaped how you, your current practices? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think about this because there's sometimes it, what, what would surprise one person would not, another person would just, well, that's just, that's just how it works. Right. Um, but one of my kind of mind blowing kaboom moments uh, was has to do with the relationship between physical experience and inner dream life. Mm. So I do teach purposeful dreaming and interpretation, which is pretty well substantiated, at least if there's a lot of theory in the Seth material about the nature of dreams and the purpose of dreams. And uh, I did connect the dots between the information that I received directly from within and my own experience is it doesn't suddenly just blew my mind one day when I realized that my life is essentially the dream of my inner consciousness. Mm. And as you know, I'm sure many of your listeners know or realize this as well, that your dreams are often symbolic. They have meaning to them. They represent something. They're not just an, a fictional story. They have significance to them. And so then I trace that backwards and realize, well, my life is something like a symbolic dream to my inner consciousness. Therefore, I can interpret my life as if it were a dream. Mm. And now, oh, my goodness, I see things so completely different. I see things so completely differently because I realize that, well, if this were a dream, I would be looking at this event that I'm experiencing and interpreting it as I see the connection. I mm. see the connection. Yeah. I see uh, why it is that uh, I stumbled upon broken glass one day. <laughs> I realized that something had been shattered. Now I'm thinking, mm. well, okay, if this isn't a dream, I would look at this and I say, what was shattered? What mm-hmm. was broken that this is, this is a symbol of, but I can do the same thing if I go out into the world and it's like, why is there all this broken glass here? stop and think about it. It's like I'm having a living dream. So it's almost like um, the opposite uh, end of the spectrum of a lucid dream. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting because uh, I think that is always a struggle either for, I think it's a struggle for just uh, people who may be, haven't had any sort of spiritual experiences aren't or aren't paying attention to them. Uh, because I would say that if you look for any sort of dreamlike meaning or symbols just in your regular life, like you'll find them. Um, an example would be uh, my sister and I, when we were in the Philippines, we kept seeing, I think on three different occasions, these Atlas moths, which are just enormous. And, um, and she was like, oh my gosh, there's another one. And I was like, that's significant. <laughs> we should, we should log that. Um so that's interesting um, that you called that out. And I think you even sort of mentioned, like, what is the significance to you? Like, you're talking about the shattered glass, like, uh-huh. what is shattered, <laughs> you know, and kind of like. Right. What is shattered? That. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So so um, that is part of the continuing expansion or unfolding of my own understanding is coming to see like the continuous flow of all of the worlds that we exist in. So we have our physical reality. We have the dream world that we have. And sometimes you remember, and sometimes you become awake in the dream and then it's somewhat different and you can do things. And it's all this kind of interconnected flow with each other. And I've come to really understand and really believe that uh, they're not that discreet. They Mm. kind of bleed into each other all of the time, sort of like you might get a message. Someone might call or text you from their way over on another part of the world, but their communication intersects. It comes into and makes itself known in where you are. Mm. Same thing happens with all of these different um, 
kind of levels of our own experience from the dreaming world out to the physical. Hmm. Cool. I like that explanation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of pivoting a little bit, but not too much. Um, mm-hmm. So in your spiritual journey, would you say there were some pitfalls or any sort of either in human form, meaning there was like a, the way I'm thinking of this is like there was a teacher you were kind of interested in and then you were like, no, <laughs> time. Um, or if it was like a circumstance, like you were in a um, like a particular, let's say like a meditation uh, class, but that didn't work out either. Um, yeah. And any sort of advice about any of those situations that you may have? I do. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to bring this up because it's it really is worth understanding that in the global culture that we have today, that this is all a churning pot of various influences in terms of understanding the inner realities or or the spiritual world or your own your own psycho spiritual physical being it's still a work in progress and right now my observation is is that there's a lot of tributaries from all of these different cultures that are kind of getting mishmashed together and so it's a real hodgepodge uh, at least in in i think in the united states of a mixture where you might get this and you might get that and you might get something else and you don't know what you're going to get. So a pitfall, and I think it's a really important one to uh, bring up, is that when it comes to seeking learning and education or training experience with a teacher, it can be hit and miss, frankly. It can be really hit and miss. Mm -hmm. And to recommend that take everything with a grain of salt, but really look around if you're wanting to develop certain skills Uh, abilities or practice things with a cohort with colleagues Uh, always be aware that what you're hearing is not necessarily the whole story and that there can be another way and if a student or a learner comes into a program whether it's a class a workshop a a very long intensive a week-long retreat or whatever always trust yourself to know when that doesn't feel right for you Mm-hmm. You know, this doesn't feel right for me. I, I don't click with this. It doesn't resonate with me. And be willing to just set that aside and trust your own inner self to say, is there another way that I can do this? Mm-hmm. So I do find that the educational side of it is actually very hit and miss. And then when it comes to actually going deep with the work, and I consider psychic learning really just to be the cultivation of our own native abilities. And we all have that, mm-hmm. but we're all at very different stages of it. Some people are just getting started. Some people haven't started. Some people are, you know, world-class mediums who can you know, <laughs> do amazing things to really change the world by what they, what they can do. Um, but I have found that, that there's no distinction between, you know, the effects of doing, psychic development on what it means to you as a spiritual being and what it means to you as emotional being and what it means to you as a physical being and what it means to you in a more material sense. So when you change one thing, it can disrupt and change a whole lot else too. Mm -hmm. And just be aware of that and, and prepared for that, that the discoveries that you might make, a person might make in one area can have a domino effect that it can affect them in in many new ways and a pitfall is is also that if you do not have a really good understanding about some of the things that you might experience people can feel very insecure with it mm-hmm. yeah i had a i had a international student from chile who had to reach out to me because she was feeling very distressed and very discouraged and didn't understand what was happening to her. She was getting all of this information and having all of these experiences. And because she didn't have already a good foundation, whether it was in theory or practice or or guidance, she was, she found it very straining. She just didn't know what to do. didn't trust it. And so she reached out fortunately and, and, and was able to chat with people who feel were more experienced, but that, 
that framework of reference to understand what's happening to you and to know that that's okay if you start to receive more information, really important. And not everyone has that. How would you, yeah, I do agree with that for sure. Uh, how would you say, because what was coming up when you were talking was, okay, so I need to trust my own guidance, like say if I'm working with a teacher or a particular oh. class or, or whatnot, um, and take the things I need and you know, throw everything else out. So, but what if you don't have that really good connection with yourself and you just are like, I don't know what to think and you get confused. Like what, how would you sort through that? Yeah. Tough call because tough question, Mm -hmm. because ultimately I do think that there is a a degree of readiness that a person Mm -hmm. may or may not have. And also that psychic expansion or psychic development of inner I think in some cases a student maybe is rushed a little bit into doing uh work with other people or practice work or mediumship when they don't have themselves figured out first Mm. and so for any student who goes into and feels like this isn't right for me I don't know I don't trust this something feels really off there aren't too many choices I think the person has other than to say I'm gonna leave step back and maybe search for something different Uh, I do personally recommend for anyone who's truly a novice who's really never learned either theory or technique to get a good foundation in some kind of theory Mm-hmm. Get a good foundation, whether you want to study shamanic practice or um, I'm all about the Seth material, or if you want to study the Kabbalah, or maybe you like some of the Eastern traditions or what have you, get some kind of grounding or some sort of foundation and understanding uh, what you're doing, and then do more of the development practice work after you feel like you're comfortable with the theoretical system upon which it's based. Mm -hmm. So um, some people love shamanic practice and it's absolutely the right thing for them to do, but it's based on a very particular kind of set of ideas, you know, spirit and nature and guides and, and all of these other things, but not every, not every system uses that. There are others. So find the, find the, system that feels right for you and then just go with it as far as you can or as far as what you feels right great answer um so i guess for yourself this is i know we talked about sort of your energy healing and modalities and your teaching so and i how do you consider or how did you understand that you had psychic abilities or psychic powers or do you even consider that you have those things or have developed them (laughs) well because I've been at this for such a teenager I've never considered to be anything other than this is what's natural Mm. and that everyone does this but the way I teach psychic development or teach anything in the general field is that psychic development is ultimately learning to do consciously with intent what you are already doing subconsciously which are already doing instinctively so for example everyone astral projects at night whether they remember it or not mm-hmm. but there's a smaller percentage of people who've learned to do that consciously with intent and everybody picks up information from each other mm-hmm. all the time But it's another level to learn to do that with conscious intent that you can meet a stranger, sit there for a moment and say, well, I can see that you're, you're, you're contemplating changing your career and you're wanting to move to another city. And they're like, well, yeah, how did you know that? (laughs) Well, there's a technique to that. There's a skill to do that. Mm -hmm. So ultimately learning to do with intent consciously, what we already doing subconsciously is really what we're talking about. In my opinion, that is, Mm -hmm. that that's how that is. And then for me, once I got to the point where I started to get affirmation of things that I knew that you couldn't theoretically know, Mm. You know, where I received information of, well, that's going to happen. Well, like, you know, 
that's predicting the future, but I got the heads up information about that first. Mm-hmm. And then when I actually started really getting effective change and results and then um, realizing that after I got to the level of what I think is reasonable competence, I won't say mastery. I'll never say mastery because I don't think that there's ever a point where you have nothing further to learn, mm-hmm. but competence in being able to do the things for myself. Then the next logical step is, well, how do I direct that towards another where this isn't just me, you know, reading myself and my own future and solving my own health issues but now I'm directing those abilities to work with another person and it was just that one moment of oh I got it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like well I don't know I don't just you know this is very uh gee I don't know well she's I'm gonna like it well I think I picked up that you know you're used to you know work on a sailboat and she's like well yes I did wow <laughs> It works, you know, it was that, it was that, it was that kind of a thing. So there was a real transition there. And I think when it comes to talking about psychic development or psychic work, it's usually that tipping point when a person is working with another person they do not know mm-hmm. that you call yourself a psychic. Mm-hmm. But I would say that everyone is actually already doing that to at least some degree. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I do think that that's where it's more surprising is when there's somebody that you have don't know anything about their life and then you're picking Total up stranger, never seen this person before. You sit down, you do your particular process and they're wide eyed. <laughs> or <Yeah>. various things happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which and I know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but it's always it always shocks me every time. It's yeah. just like, wow, OK, yeah. I guess yeah. that's real. Mm hmm. Um, so I guess, gosh, there was some, there's a couple of things that you had said. Um, but one of the things was you had talked about like having people to kind of around you that are sort of doing like co like a cohort or mm-hmm. just people around that are sort of doing the same practice. Cause I'll just say for my own, um, situation, like I was going, or I am still in involved in doing sort of the Western ceremonial magic a lot of that. It's very, I, I like that it's very solitary. Um, however, the thing I kept running into, cause I was like, I did have like a little, I still do have a little community of, um, other practitioners, but man, I was just having all these like weird mystical things happening, like during meditation or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, mm-hmm. this, this is happening. Anybody else, <laughs> you know, and yeah. either it wasn't happening or they felt weird about sharing it. Um, so yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I need to <laughs> figure this out with a different uh, group of people because they're not willing to talk about it or whatever. I don't know exactly what's going on. Um, but I will say um, when I do find or have found other people that are you know, either exploring that the psychic thing or the mystical side, it has been so relieving. <laughs> So I can just validate what you were kind of talking about in that. And, you know, I will say, I find that to be one of the surprising joys that has Mm -hmm. come out for me working in the, in the teaching and the organizing or more of a leadership capacity in this field where I have a group of individuals who come together and I give them exercises. I give them meaningful things to do and Mm -hmm. then say, well, what did you find? What did you find? And every time they come back with these things that it shows the diverse array of results that an individual can get from doing the same exercise with the same intention. Mm -hmm. And it really has been revelatory to have people do exactly what you're talking about to share, because it does show that people do have very different experiences, even when they attempt the same practice. And so it's not about, having a particular experience in my opinion but rather the authentic experience it is to you Mm -hmm. and um it'd be quite marvelous and quite astonishing what people experience on a particular type of exercise or practice Mm -hmm. but delightful yeah um is there um one that an experience that somebody either shared one of your students shared with you that you feel led to share 
Or yeah, like that absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a group going and I give them basically what would be almost like a low level channeling exercises to do mm-hmm. where I, I have them set aside anything that they think that they know and do what I call an original inquiry, which it's essentially, essentially it's basically going directly into kind of the collective knowledge of all and bringing back information about something that you would not necessarily have any conceived preconceived notion that that it would that would happen and uh i i sent a couple of times a couple of things come to mind one and where i sent the group off and said get a preview of what what comes next once you're done with your life on earth and you move on to whatever it is that we move on to which is very debatable as to what that is i don't think there's any one answer i think there's many different things mm-hmm. go take a peek Go see what you find. And it was fascinating what people came back with. You know, we had one person who who came back with like, well, it's like living in two dimensions at the same time. Like he's getting this information and he's having this this sensory experience. It's a sort of like an intra-level to like a projection of consciousness where you send a bit of your mind off mm-hmm. and, he, and he goes over there and it's like, well, this, it's literally like you're, you're aware of being in two different things at, in the same, same level. He is that, that was one thing that he had there and others have gone and come back with, you know, like changes in in revisiting the earth and and seeing it like in a transparent way it's like mm-hmm. you you don't see the earth when you move on as like this this physical realm it's almost like it's part of like a flow of action and they were coming back with stuff that i'd never had heard of or never thought of you know and that was what was fun about it Mm-hmm. and and realize, well, there's probably some truth to there. And is there a little bit of creativity and invention? There's probably a little bit of that there too. But it's fascinating that what people can come back with when they are, you know, really willing to just listen, mm-hmm. just have that question, have that intention, and just listen or sense what comes to you without trying to make anything up. Amazing, amazing results. Hmm. Um, so quick question on that, because mm-hmm. I know the whole, because you mentioned about making it up and then mm-hmm. something coming to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you know which is which, I guess? Also very great question. And and I, I think that to some extent, there's a, a bit of a convolution here mm-hmm. because once you imagine something, I think it becomes real. Uh, a lot of this uh, in the way I approach it is to be very clear on what the intent is and to recognize that whatever the information is, it is translated back into an eidetic vocabulary that allows us to understand it. And so pure information exists beyond language. And so when we use what most people call the clairs, what most people call the inner senses, like they see something with their inner vision or they feel something physically, is to recognize that's not the pure original information. That's an attempt to translate it into something that you would understand. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, there is some creative effort there. Uh, but if you can feel behind that to what the pure meaning is, then you can actually understand that. And or attempt to understand what's really being communicated is not the image. It's the meaning behind the image. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I do truly recommend that people really learn and study and master if they can, or at least gain competence on getting information from the inner, inner abilities, inner senses in a way that you can then affirm. So remote viewing is a fantastic one, because if you have to find some place that you don't know what it is that you're even looking for, and you're able to bring in accurate information, then you learn your own vocabulary. You learn how to distinguish between kind of good information that's coming in versus I'm just making this up because I'm desperate to get something and I don't want to come up up empty handed, Mm -hmm. which some of that, frankly, is a matter of training. You know, if you're if you're not reminded as a student that it's not about being right Mm -hmm. and it's not even about getting anything at all it's about listening uh so if you can train on something where you can have someone affirm uh 
even if it's learning to do eventually readings where you're describing information about someone that you do not know, they can then affirm back to you that, yes, that is accurate. Mm-hmm. And then you, it's, I think a bit easier to make the distinction between the good, the accurate information came to me this way. And then I had that affirmation versus I can tell when I'm kind of making it up, that kind mm-hmm. of the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I think there is a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know that you had, um, described sort of related, I have, I have where I want this to go, but you had Mm -hmm. described, um, sort of seeing the code of the universe Mm -hmm. in sort of like, uh, I think you said it was in a morning time, sort of like, was it at? at, It's not hypnagogic. It's the other one. There's like hypnagogic is when you fall asleep. Most of the, yeah, the, the standard you know, name terminology is like in your, I call it the liminal state. So when I, I do dream interpretation and a little bit differently than what's typically out there. Uh, but there's that liminal state, both when you're falling asleep and coming out of a sleep where you're not really in either. <laughs> you're not fully focused out there in the world, but you're not really completely asleep either. You're sort of in this middle zone. And as you're falling asleep, the hypno, hypnagogic is, is that as you're coming awake, they call it the hypnopompic. But it's a fairly common occurrence for me as I'm falling asleep to, to transit through a liminal state and to maybe go lucid or maybe not. It can go either way. But as I'm falling asleep, sometimes what I'll see is abstract like sheets, like what, like flowing sheets, like scrolling up of, of like old, uh, binary code, like green screen, zero one, zero one, zero, 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 zero one. And it just, it's like a flowing sheet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can go into abstract color shaped symbols. But one of the things that is very common when I experience is that is it either scrolls like, like on an old computer screen or it changes really fast. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, pulsing very quickly and my understanding of that is that as we are falling asleep our consciousness is beginning to travel away from outer focus and travel inward and as we pass through the layers of our own consciousness we transit through what I'll just call the structural underpinnings of physical reality Mm-hmm. And so we're having this experience where we're literally kind of moving through um, a middle zone here. And whatever you experience or see uh, in a dreamlike state that seems physical is just a rendering or a translation of what's actually happening. And so sheet flowing, scrolling sheets of green screen binary code is something that can only have happened in the 20th century or later. Mm -hmm. So it's really my mind's translation of what I will call very rudimentary substructures, very rudimentary um forms patterns uh information and uh because i don't need to really process all of that i see it in its sort of symbolic rudimentary form like you would see binary code or just Mm -hmm. abstract shapes and then it can go into deeper layers of sleep where you start to have more of what we think of as like the narrative dreams Mm -hmm. or the dream adventures and I do remember because you had shared with me that you saw something similar, but mm-hmm. it was more when you were waking up. Yeah. 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 And so that that suggests it's possible. I, I don't claim to know everything about <laughs> about this. But as you were transiting back into physical focus, into physical mm-hmm. reality, you're once again passing through those layers, these kind of structural underpinnings. And they are like these rudimentary substructures, really like the, 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 the source code of our own physical reality. If I often use in my classes the metaphor of a web page mm-hmm. and the life that you're having is like one web page, but you have to render it by pulling open your device, right? Mm-hmm. But the web page is not really the source thing that creates it. It's that source code behind it that mm-hmm. travels to your particular physical body yeah very cool I like the idea of it sort of being a a transition sort of Mm -hmm. place 
Um, so I'll just share. So the, th the thing I saw very similar, it was, but it, sh it was on like, it initially appeared like it was on a scroll, like an old mm -hmm. scroll. So to me, mm -hmm. it was looking different. Um, but then it had like the different codes and they were switching kind of like, I call it like mm -hmm. the matrix code. It's like yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, but I think because I was in that in-between state and I didn't really, it felt like I was awake, but I wasn't, but I could tell it to do things. So I was like telling it to rotate and then I could see like layers and I call them Photoshop layers because I've used Photoshop. It's just like layers and it exactly. went down into layers. infinity. Yeah. Yeah. Layers of consciousness. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful because that tells me that your way of symbolic language, I think of like rudimentary source code as being old green screen binary code, but you went back even further. You went back to the ancient Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> I guess so. I was like, okay. And what I love about this is you pointed out something that the liminal state is one of my favorite. People make such a big deal about the lucid state mm. and, and what have you, but the liminal state is one of the most powerful because that's where you can um suggest things to yourself and actually generate dreams that give you information while you're in that liminal state if you can learn to hold it open mm -hmm. and so yes you can actually give instructions to your dreaming consciousness to make things happen and it's it's pretty fascinating what you can do well i guess to so it'll be sort of the my last thing on that but mm -hmm. um so for me, I'm always like, what the heck? I'm always just in this state of like, the hey, am I looking at? Like, I'm just like shocked and always very amused. Mm -hmm. um, so is there a way for me to like, I guess consciously now I can try to remember to, you know, do some pro my own programming in that state. If it happens mm -hmm. again, I'm sure it'll happen again. But mm -hmm. like, do you have a technique for that? Like, you know, oh, for kind of writing the liminal state? Yeah. Or like when to know that you're in it and then go, oh, yeah, now I need to do that thing where I need to program. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's almost as tricky as holding a lucid state, which I actually find a little bit trickier. But I like the liminal state better. So I, I have <laughs> stayed more with that. So my my tip that I would give individuals is that one, don't try to come out of it. Mm. In fact, don't try to think with your logical mind or observe. So one of the things that snaps consciousness out of experience is instead of experiencing, it tries to separate itself and observe. So maybe you or your listeners have had this experience. Or you do a meditation, or you're visualizing something, and sometimes you're first person and sometimes you're third person, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a really powerful difference between the first person and the third person. As you are in first person, you're actually creating that experience and, and having it. When you snap into the observer role, then you're actually attempting to separate yourself from that activity and that action. And, and that actually can pull you out of it because mm -hmm. now you're watching rather than doing. Mm -hmm. So one is to not attempt to, it's very delicate. It's a, it's a finite little balance here, but do not attempt to observe what's happening or logically process it. Just tell yourself, I want this, I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And then just let it happen without trying to logically examine it. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I'll try to remember to do that <laughs> for sure. Cause I'm always just like laughing at it. Like what the, heck? this is hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's a neat state to write. I, I can't, well, maybe we'll have another yeah. um, um, podcast episode and you can update everyone yeah. on, <laughs> on your liminal adventures. Yeah. I like that too. Cause I, I find, I found when I was a kid, I was very much into lucid dreaming. I could do it very easily, but as an adult, yeah. I, really can't but liminal states like at least in the recent years are like psh, 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 yeah. all the time so yeah that's good well then that's just the right thing for you to, to go with yeah. yeah go with that yeah yeah um so we're kind of wrapping up here um mm -hmm. do you have um so if you would like to leave our listeners with um either a mantra or a motto that you can that serves you very well um that you'd like to share yeah i i, I do have one that i've I've had for a while, I wouldn't call it a mantra, mm -hmm. but I would call it a principle that I remind myself of is just work through it. There's always a way. Mm. Yeah. Whatever difficulty problem, thing that doesn't seem like it's going to work out, 
just work through it mm-hmm. and know that there's always a way. Cool. I like that. Very direct <laughs> and, and easy to remember. I like that. <laughs> um, so I know, gosh, I know that you do so, so much. Um, but what is your sort current area of focus that you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. So I am teaching. So I teach remote viewing, uh, tarot, got that tomorrow. And um, let's see, I do teach belief work. I have some classes and workshops I teach on belief work and absolutely purposeful dreaming and interpretation. So I do some free monthly drop-in discussion groups. And um, I also am offering uh, one-on-one sessions in healing. And those are very uh, instructional format where I really uh, look to give that person tools that they can take away and work at home and, and be effective on on promoting their own well-being, even without, you know, the expert ministrations of, of healers such as yourself. So, yeah. Uh, um. Thank you for that. Um, Do you have uh, some contact information that you would like to share? You can look at a lot of my um, offerings in the Seattle area, uh, the expanded mind group at meetup.com. So you can just go on to meetup.com and look for Seattle area dream, dream classes, dream events or tarot or um, what have you. Also, my website is just my name, emmadevan.com. So you can find some links to my offerings there as well. Well, well, thank you so much, Emma, for uh, being my guest and sharing all the wonderful information that you have. And take care. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That was an interview with Emma Devan, where we discussed her spiritual journey and expert teaching experience with remote viewing and working with trans states. Visit emmadevan.com to learn more about her and her practice. And if you are in the Seattle area, you can check out her meetup.com expanded mind group. To learn more about the Casual Temple podcast, please visit our website, casualtemple.com. There's a Casual Temple YouTube channel, and you can follow me on Instagram with username at Duffy or at Casual Temple. Please be sure to leave a review and share this episode with the people in your life who would enjoy this content. Do check out the other episodes of the Casual Temple podcast on your preferred podcast app. And thank you so much for listening.